Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Spin Class. We're talking politics with Michael Fragan and Phil Goldfeder on the Nachum Siegel Network, NachumSiegel.com, and around the world at Arut Sheva, Israel National News slash radio. And it is, Phil, it's like the Super Bowl for politics today. That's all I could say. I mean, there is going to be, this is going to be the most intense watching of any drama ever to take place in any hearing Capitol Hill. Gone are the days that C-SPAN is just, you know, <laughs> droning on and you have people in this endless boring. This is high drama we have never had. And if you aren't paying attention there at home, folks, uh, Jim Comey, the fired, now estranged FBI, former FBI director uh, who was fired by Donald Trump under, well, I, I'll call them questionable circumstances because, uh, you know, that's still that book has still yet to be written. Uh, it will testify before Congress in open session about a number of items that have just been absolutely percolating, and I'll just use that word lightly, throughout the political world in Washington. And, uh, you know, Phil, you've been on the inside, you've been on the outside. Have you ever seen anything like this? No, you know, and I spent years in Washington, and, and I even attended, you know, hearings where they were trying to fill seats. I mean, I have never... And, and watching all the news shows and listening to the radio over the last few days, there has never been such a demand for access to a hearing. We're talking about a Senate hearing. I mean, one that you can actually watch on TV. You can, on any I, channel. I, I want you to know this is one of those days where I'm, 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 oh, I love my job, but almost sorry I have to go into work. I mean, this is just pure political drama. I mean, it is just. For, for those who are political junkies, I mean, this is it. I mean, this is just sort of the, the grand, uh, you know, the, the grand event. This is what, and again, what's so interesting about this presidency, and we talked about it, you know, during the campaign and why he was getting the crowds he was getting. And then, and then you know, when we first had the, um, the Supreme Court nominee in prime time, we're trying to take these normally sort of political insider things and, and, and operations and bring them to the masses. This is one I don't think the president predicted or, or wanted, but this is literally just sort of the talk of the town. You can't, I mean, when it's, I was in Albany. I, I had to be, happened to be in Albany this week. And, and this is what people were talking, this is all people were talking about. It was fascinating how the entire country and probably the entire world is captivated by what, and I, I loved that term and, and I was snickering, but estranged, uh, uh, estranged FBI director uh, Comey is going to say today and how he's going to say it and the kind of questions and and how the Democrats are going to come at him and how the Republicans are going to come at him. And here's the kicker. And I can't even I can't even contain my excitement. Will the president be live tweeting? Well, uh, well, that is the now a lot of D.C. bars and I'm sure bars elsewhere are, are doing shot contests for the number of tweets that the <laughs> president. I saw this uh, as an aside, but. <clears throat> It is remarkable, and actually, it's, I think, unprecedented. This morning, a pro-Trump super PAC released an attack ad against Jim Comey, attacking his record as FBI director, his handling of the Hillary email investigation. Of course, as that was what the president uh, ostensibly initially said. The reason he fired Jim Comey was because he they had mishandled the Hillary Clinton email investigation, uh, despite the fact that I think it certainly uh, 
inured to his political benefit in a big way. And, uh, you know, he should have been happy about that. But this is like a high drama between two uh, people who are, you know, no question that the president, by his own admission, tried to romance uh, Jim Comey, bring him along, bring him to his side, demand his loyalty. And, you know, Jim Comey's always been that kind of Boy Scout and, you know, taking the notes. Now, I mean, the big question here is why, if these were such sensitive, these were such bombshell uh, I statements that the president made to Jim Comey to try to strong arm him away from Mike Flynn and to try and strong arm. And I, this is what Republicans are going to say. And the truth is, I think there is a, a strong element of questioning here is why did he come forward beforehand? Why didn't he tell Jeff Sessions? Why didn't he tell Rob Rosenstein? He didn't really come to anybody and say, hey, the president is meddling in the investigation. In fact, when his replacement, the acting now attorney, uh, the acting FBI director said before Congress, we don't know of any pressure of any meddling, anybody attempting to stop the investigation. Yeah, I, I would actually agree with you on that and, and agree with the, those Republicans and curious to hear what the answer is. I mean, if I think the Democrats are looking for that bombshell, right? Obstruction of justice. He needs to be impeached, right? If this was obstruction of justice, if there was a clear miscarriage of the law, if there was laws being broken, then the director of the FBI had a responsibility to go to the attorney general and present these memos the day it happened, the day after it happened. You know, the next morning, you know, he had a responsibility. I actually, you know, I don't doubt the credibility of of FBI director, former FBI director Comey. I actually think, like, like you said, he's a Boy Scout, a career Boy Scout, right? This is somebody who is has uh, impeccable uh, credentials and, and a, a reputation. So, number one, sort of putting him up against the president, you know, it's funny, I was watching Sean Hannity last night, you know, it's a he said, he said. Yeah, but these are very different he's. Uh, the alternative universe of yeah, Sean I mean, Hannity. This, this, I, and I have to say, that comes more. I, I used to be a Hannity fan just for the entertainment purpose of it, even if I didn't agree. Well, I agree with a lot of his politics, but I, more and more, it was more distant. I find he's just in an alternative universe. But yeah, I go mean, on. It, it, no, and I and I watch it just because I'm, you know, I used, to, I grew up listening. So Sean Hannity, before he was Sean Hannity, used sure. to be on on seven seventy right after the Yankee games. Still so on as, the radio. I love the radio. I actually like the radio a lot more than no, television. no, no. And I hear that, but so so as a kid, I would listen to the Yankee games in, at home in, in bed because it was way past my bedtime. And then after the Yankee games, I actually would listen to Sean Hannity and listen to him. And I used to call into his show. And he used to. It's funny because at the time, I don't think I appreciated. I was, you know, I hope Phil, you have the tapes. Phil, the Democrat from Farakaway. I mean, it was like, and and I used to enjoy sort of the, the, what was natural, sort of like sort of back and forth banter, right? Like sort of intelligent, honest debate about an issue. Whereas what we're seeing now is just it's twenty four hour nonsensical spin, um, and I just don't understand it. And so what he said last night was, well, this is just another, well, the president has one version of the sp story and, and Director Comey has another version of the story and they just disagree. Yeah, you know, I hate to say it. It's just not that simple. Um, they were trying very, very hard to do two things last night on, on Fox News. Number one was go back to the Hillary Clinton scandal. I mean, when Fox News is still talking about Hillary's emails, you know they are trying to cover something up or not talk about something else. That was number one. Number two, they were saying, well, you know, did, did um, FBI Director Comey keep similar memos for President Obama? You see, he clearly was being unfair to the Republican president, was playing favorites to the Democratic president. Well, there's a very simple reason. Number one, in all the years that President Obama was president, there was two, two private meetings. One of them essentially was during the interview process. This is, it's... In, in the last right. few months, this president met with Director Comey multiple times in private over dinner, 
and and really we're still not sure. But dinners why. was unexpected, right? Apparently, he invited him to dinner. Comey got got there thinking that there was going to be other people there. He didn't know it was going to be a private dinner. I I mean, let's just say I, the whole thing. I gotta say it now. This is really of the president's own making. This is of the White House's own. I don't want to lay it all at the feet of the president. I mean, unless the people in the White House just have no, really have no control over what's going on. That that's a great point, by the way. And that was sort of where was the White House? When you know, when, when but where's the White House counsel? Where's the White House counsel? Where's, where's, where's Priebus? Ch- where's the chief of staff? Where's Jared, Co- where is Jared Kushner? So if, the, if Jared Kushner is the secretary of everything, if he's the guy, he's the pre- person the president listens. Is he the last word? Why doesn't he say? Don't do this. Yeah, it's only going to come meeting. back to bite you. These pe- the people. You, you, what you have to understand is you're not running the Trump organization. You are running the United States government. Ultimately, people swear an oath to the Constitution. How many people are willing to violate their oath to potentially get dragged before a special counsel, to get dragged before a grand jury, to bankrupt themselves with legal fees, and to end up potentially in jail? Like. Hey, you know what happened? Happened to the Bush administration. Happened to the Obama administration. People, unfortunately, get criminal have criminal sanctions for some of these things that go on. And it goes to the beginning, like sort of where this meeting was created. Was it set up in advance? Was it set up by the White House? Was it set up by the president? And any, I mean, look, the, the beauty of checks and balances it should happen within your own branch of government as well, right? Like there's there's multiple people around. Look, Somebody should see this is on the schedule. Should this be on the schedule, right? Like, look, I and I again, and I, I th- this is no comparison, but but even as a New York State Assemblyman, right? If I were doing something, if I were going to an event, if I were attending a meeting, my staff would question: Should we be going to that? Should you be speaking at such an event? It happens all the time. Or should you be alone in the room with that person? And that's always a big thing. And most times, especially these days, almost nobody takes a meeting one-on-one unless it's somebody that you have a long time, long-standing, ironclad relationship with because there is such a temptation by people who meet with power, other powerful people to come out of the room and mischaracterize things that were said. So you almost always... I can't think of the last time that I had a meeting with some a, a meeting with somebody I don't know very well meaning on in you know in officialdom whether it be at any level where there wasn't a staff member present taking notes it's always it's 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 commonplace and this is you and me we're talking about right. the president of the United States meeting with the director well you of are the, the assistant vice president of UCB University I am the assistant vice president of UCB University I'm it's, that's only a couple rungs below president <laughs> I'm waiting we have a new president at UCB University that's right that's right I'm waiting to be called time. in to, to, to pledge my loyalty um, he doesn't have to call me in. I've already I'm, I pledge it right here in public. I pledge my loyalty. Well, I, I, look, let's let's just go out for a second. I because you know it's such a momentous day and it's such a it's such a big day and we're almost you know I don't want to run out of time before we get to discuss all this and there's so much to talk about because so much has happened over the last well two weeks we were off for Shavuos last week but if we talk about it I mean the things you, you this week should have started off great for the president, right? It was Infrastructure Week. He made an announcement about the FAA, about revamping the air traffic control system. This has been totally which lost. Needs to which be is done. so, which is, I mean, think about the fact that every person walks around with a GPS in their phone and a plane still relies on radar. And the, the whole system is, it's like the New York City subway system. And when you think about it, it's like, it's a 1920s, 1950s creation. And the president made, this is kind of thing that a lot of people want him to succeed in. They want him to be disruptive. They want him to do this. But at the same time, of course, he sends out 
instead of sticking to his agenda, he sends out tweets about the Muslim ban, about the travel ban, and calls it a ban, undercuts his own FBI, undercuts his own Justice Department. He goes ahead and says, I didn't want this executive order, even though he signed it. it and then he diverts the agenda almost entirely to people talking about things that they don't need to talk about. Uh-huh. None of us need to discuss this. And then he sends people out onto TV, Sebastian Gorko, for 20 minutes. Kellyanne Conway, and I know I'm getting excited about this, to say his tweets don't mean anything. And not only that, I, I take it even a step farther. This, you know, Sean Spicer and, and all his, and Kellyanne, this, it's a, not a travel ban. It is not a travel ban. We don't use those words because it's not a travel ban. Only to look at previous tweets from a week ago and then to look at tweets like over the weekend. Capital, not only is it a travel ban, it's capital letters. It's a screaming travel ban. I mean, this is something that is just... You're undercutting your own administration, and I and I, it, we 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 would not be right if we didn't give credit. The Wall Street Journal wrote an amazing editorial that that basically said just that. And the Wall Street Journal is, you know, when it comes to all the the the, the pulling the, the 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 pulling back of regulations and the reform, the Wall Street Journal is a likely ally. I'm not saying they would. The be. Wall Street Journal wants has has dreamed about having Republicans power, as have I. Okay, (laughs) for many years, we have wanted exactly the situation, a Republican president and a Republican Senate and a Republican House. And it's lamentable about the fact that we can't get anything done. But go go ahead. No. So the Wall Street Journal Journal wrote an editorial, a scathing editorial, but I think something that I hope the president read, uh, read and I hope people in the administration read. It's not about the people around you, sir. It's about you. You are your worst enemy. And when you should be talking exactly what you just said about infrastructure or about a border security or about any one of 50 other things or, or regulation or healthcare, any one of the other 50 other things that you could be tweeting about, and instead you're literally throwing bombs at yourself. You're, you're throwing bombs in the, on the front lawn of, of the White House and then doing the best you can to avoid them and tell other people that they're causing you problems or the, the mainstream media, which now is MSM, the, the mainstream media or the liberal Democrats are getting in our way and are blocking our agenda. No, and this is not my words. This is the Wall Street Journal words. And only to be, you know, again, and, and, and if you listen to, to, to you watch the, the cable news shows, right? And, and Fox News and MSNBC and CNN, all kind of latched on to that, like, yeah, they're right. The Wall Street Journal is making a really good point. Fox News, Neil Cavuto literally was saying, like, Mr. President, we want you to succeed. I think kind of Neil Cavuto is a couple months behind us because I think we started with that, right? You don't know what you're going to expect, but you want the president to succeed. And I have said this numerous times. I don't care if it's ideological uh, opinions I don't like. I can handle it. I'm a big boy, right? I'm, I'm happy to have a, I want to have an honest intellectual debate, but we're not having that, are we? We're not having an honest intellectual debate. And I think that is what's missing. I want him to succeed. And I think even now Fox News finally says, Mr. President, stop. We want you to succeed. It's not the liberal media that's trying to get you to stop tweeting. It's anybody who has any tiniest amount of, of common sense about how to move an agenda forward. Look, he has a base of support. There's no question about it. It's 35%, 38% at, at its probably its highest. That's his base of support. And while 60% of the country is long gone, I mean, we're not close here. We're not talking about independents who are, who are wavering back and yeah, forth. Yeah, the independents have, have gone in a 
big way away 60% from him. 60% of the country is long gone. You know, you got miles and miles of distance between you. And so at this point, this president is focusing on his 35 to 38%. And quite frankly, that is not the way to run a country. Somebody once told me, as an elected official, someone once told me, you're not going to be judged based on the decision that your supporters want you to make. You're going to based on the decision that your supporters don't want you to make, right? Your courage to stand up and make leadership decisions that might not be your most politically um, politically savvy or 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 inspire your supporters to get even stronger, but it's in the best interest of your district. It's in the best interest of the country, and that's the reason you make some decisions. I like that line, actually. Yeah. That's uh, but it wasn't I th- mine. It was told to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Look, we are at, and I we've said it. I wish that we could come sit down every week, talk about the week in politics, and kind of t- come up with something else other than the mistakes that the White House made this week and why things are inexplicably just not getting done uh, to really do the things that the American people wanted. People voted for Donald Trump. A lot of people voted for Donald Trump. Yes, whatever the election, electoral college, doesn't matter. He's the president. We want the at least people like me, I care about the institutions of this country. I want the president to succeed. I want a lot of the things that he wants. But the amount of distractions that have gone on, and the fact now that he's churning on Jeff Sessions, for example, now that there's rumors out there that they, they can't say at the the White House press secretary, Sean Spicer, can't say whether the president has confidence in his attorney general, who was his earliest backer. His earliest backer was a critical backer for him uh, as the first senator to endorse him, to give him that stamp of, of approval in many, many quarters, because Jeff Sessions was the original anti-immigration person. It was a crucial backing in the primary season. I, It's as if the president still wants to campaign at, against Washington, even though it's his government. And his tweets about the travel ban show that. I mean, even Kellyanne Conway's husband George Conway, I mean, the you know, devastating tweets said, if you want to win in the Supreme Court, be quiet. how are these tweets helpful to you? And it, it's as if he still wants the campaign. He still wants to talk about, you know, the terrible things in Washington. He still wants to talk about what's going on, with, what's just horrible. And he can't get past the fact that he can't separate the fact, he can't realize where he is and how he owns it now. All the mess he owns. And you even see, and why is it so dangerous? Now we talk about this, we think about, okay, so what? So you forget about the, you know, forget about his Twitter. If it's childish, etc. You know, you want to go ahead and say the president really doesn't matter so much. Well, we have a crisis going on in the Persian Gulf right now between the Gulf, the Gulf states, meaning Saudi Arabia and the Emirates and and Qatar, which has eleven thousand U.S. troops, There's has the troops. central command, and the president and, is literally tweeting and, and 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 sort of jumping on this Qatar thing. Oh, do we have any thought? He about doesn't our even seem to understand what's ground? going on. It is is absolutely shocking, and I, and, I, and, I, and and the kicker here is. When the London terrorist attack happened, I don't want to get to the whole oh. London mayor thing, but it's it's deeply troubling about the fact that the first thing he tweets is Matt Drudge. Can, he doesn't wait to see what his intelligence sources say. He has access to more. We've said this before. The president of the United States has access to more information than anyone else on earth. There's nobody with access to more information in on earth, on the whole planet. But instead, he's getting his news, he's getting his information from Drudge. And Drudge is a great news source. I'm a big Drudge fan of the fact I don't believe everything he is. But <laughs> I think, look, if you want to get it first, Matt Drudge has it. But he's not always right. 
And if you're president, you got to be, you know, there is an element of irresponsibility. And then, of course, instead of being conciliatory and comforting to the British people, you're going ahead and picking a fight with the Muslim mayor of London. I, I want, you know, for all, and I, you know, it's funny, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, a quick step back because three weeks ago when I was on this show alone and I, I sort of made a, an appeal to us, but an appeal to everybody, like, let's try and not, and not do this. It's impossible. Michael, we would right. be doing a tremendous, you know, a tremendous injustice to our listeners if we didn't, you know, if we ignored what you can't ignore this. And it's not again, going back to the point, this is by his own doing. It's not like we're creating this story while the president and the administration wants to talk about tax regulation and where we keep we keep jumping back to this. They're cre- the president and the administration is creating this story. And so I want to go back for a moment just to exactly what you just talked about and sort of there was a terror attack, right? People were, were, were dead. People were wounded. Literally, we were still in the middle of it all. And it was at that point that the president decided to go after the mayor of London. And I want to just put that in perspective for people who are listening to us here in New York, right? That's as if on September 14th or on September 13th, 2001, the president, George Bush, would have criticized Rudy Giuliani for his handling of 9-11, right? If, if the president would have come... Well, no, no, the, or, excuse it, me, it, the it, prime it, minister of, of England. Right. I, I think it's right. On September 11th, the day I'm of. trying to... Be, I, I, it's, it's so insensitive. Even to, by the way, Michael, even to say the words, I have a trouble to say like on September 11, 2001. Like, so I went a little farther just because like it, it's hard even to say those words, but to think we're going through the worst calamity to ever hit our city and some foreign leader is going to criticize our mayor, who, by the way, if you recall, and you would know this probably better than anybody, his poll numbers, Rudy Giuliani's poll numbers and, and favorability before 9-11 Terrible. were in the toilet. Yeah. I mean, he was not the most popular guy in New York City. And afterwards, I think, look, he became America's mayor because of his handling, because he projected strength and leadership. And, and for all the amazing things that we saw in the aftermath of September 11th from the mayor and from the people of New York City... I hate to say it, if if there would be, there would just be outrage. Outrage is not even the right word. People would be calling if a prime minister of another country, and I don't even want to say England, but if a prime minister of any other country would have said and sort of been disparaging towards our mayor at the time, I mean, we would have, I can't tell you what we would have been, but we would have been outraged. We would have been outraged. And, and right now, I mean, for our president to pick a fight, I mean, to literally pick a fight with the mayor of a t- of a city that just got just got 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 attacked with a terrorist attack it is unfathomable i'm embarrassed right it's insensitive it's every it's everything it's, it's every possible it's it's just there really isn't any excusing it I, I it's it's bad politics too that's the other problem you know at the same time you know it's funny the the why well, no, funny we we didn't really get a chance to talk about you know the big story last week was the Paris Accords right so the president so we pull out the Paris Accords. I actually think that's good politics I don't know that most voters actually care about the environment as a top issue president can make it about jobs I mean I don't think it was necessarily a good move to put us on the side you didn't need to pull out it's more symbolic because it's not a mandatory situation but essentially we're sitting the whole world is on one side and we are with Nicaragua and Syria um, that's the big problem of it you know he wanted to make a big symbolic thing I think they they butchered the role out there but overall it's pretty good politics uh, when you when you think about it for the president playing to his base it also shows that uh, Steve Bannon is by no means dead here because 
Ivanka and Jared made a very big public showing about how they were going to be temper him on environmental issues. And it shows actually, in fact, I think, you know, for a lot of people, their conception of them having a tremendous amount of juice with the president really doesn't. In the end, he's going to be who he is. Um, So it's uh, it's a big question. I mean, the big the and as a segue into it. The one thing we're not talking about with this whole Jim Comey thing, and you know, there is, of course, that theory that once again, all these tweets and everything is a big distraction. Nobody's talking about Jared and Russia. Those are the big headlines for a couple <laughs> days, and nobody is talking about it. You know, it's as if sometime, and he did this during the campaign also, if something was going on, he would tweet, he would create a storm, he would move every and move everybody <sighs> off the subject. Do you remember wiretaps? Come on, let's drop a wiretap claim, right? Like in the middle of, of a Russia. And, and look... You know, I've heard Alan Dershowitz actually did a did a bunch of tweets basically saying, you know, that it's not illegal for a, a foreign country to collude or to work with a campaign in an election. I don't even at this point, by the way, I just I want to know the truth. I what's don't a, care. But what's I, the I, I, what's the problem here? I have no problem with it here. The problem is lying about it. Don't there's lie. no reason. And all and the, the problem is every person, you know, Jared Kushner left it off his forms. Jeff Sessions didn't tell the truth before Congress. Carter Page lied about it. Paul Manafort has lied about it. All these guys, for whatever reason, have chosen to say initially, at least initially, no, we never spoke to Russia. You know, you know, it's, it was we never hard. did it. Do you ever find it fascinating? Mike Flynn, of course, not only did not say lied about having a, he lied about the fact that he was being paid by the Turkish government while he was in the transition. Okay, and he's required, while he is a former military officer, which of course requires him to register, while he's also required to register just as an American citizen as a foreign agent, and he was named National Security Advisor at the same time while being paid by a foreign government. You're a f- that, that should offend most people. In, if there's something to learn from criminals, right, it's very rare that they go down for the crimes they commit. They always go down for wire fraud or mail fraud or tax evasion, right? It's not always – sometimes the avoiding the crime is, is more punishable than the actual crime itself. And I think that's what we have here as a perfect example, meaning Jared as – and we've talked about this – as an advisor to the president is allowed to meet with any diplomat he wants in preparation for the incoming president or as the, as the president is new. So just say that you did it. Say, yeah, I met with the, the Russian prime minister or the Russian um, – uh, uh, no, the ambassador, ambassador and, then the, and then a banker. Of uh, course, right. the banker is a former KGB agent, but, so that's but a little I bit of a... I don't even care, but, but in their... In their in but their, he doesn't want to admit that that's the problem. But in their, in their, they're so trying to protect their image, they're hurting their image even Correct. more, right? Correct. So just say, like, hey, we're trying to prepare. We knew all these allegations about Russia were out there. So I sat down with the Russian ambassador to discuss what is clearly maybe a problem and discuss how we're going to work through it and, and have a, a working relationship. Say that. Everybody would say, you know, okay, great. So Thank that, you. So that's the problem. I mean, the theory out there, and it, again, this is not the, the dump on the White House show. This is about talking about the real issues, but why this administration is not working. And you could say they're green. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know. But they don't also don't have people in there. Well, if you don't have the right team, get the right team. But I think the problem is now, at this point, they have damaged themselves so much, and the president does so much damage to the people who work for him. I mean, by with the tweets and off-message and undercutting them, etc., 
that people don't want to work there. I mean, we've had just this this in the last couple of weeks, people just are turning down jobs left and right. He he's you know he finally named an FBI director about a month later, but lots of people turned him down very publicly. Um, I could go through. I mean, there were he's had people turn down the Secretary of the Navy, Secretary of the Army, um, the people National Security Advisor David Petraeus and and uh, others turned him down. Deputy Commerce Secretary, his pick uh, uh, Ricketts uh, withdrew. Um, he had Office of Drug Control Policy. Is not the, all, all these things. I mean, and even as I said, even Kellyanne Conway's husband withdrew this week from wanting to work in the White House. It's just at this point they're not filling jobs. They don't have deputy deputy secretaries of state. They don't have, and they say, "Well, we're going to leave these jobs open." These are important jobs. You can't expect Rex Tillerson, as as capable as a seasoned executive as he might be, and I think he's proving actually to be a pretty good pick as Secretary of State. That. To, to manage every crisis in the entire world. And these crises are constant. I mean, it's just at every day, there's a, and there hasn't been a real crisis yet. But the funny thing is, the president goes out there and talks about the fact we're not doing enough on terrorism, and he criticizes the London mayor, and I, we're not filling the terrorism jobs. The counterterrorism job of the FBI is not filled. We don't have anybody at the TSA. Okay, nobody's at FEMA. Okay, nobody's the, de- the deputies aren't named. This is a problem now. Either they they are just not getting around to doing it, or they don't have. They're just not getting. Uh, they 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 can't entice people to do it. And this is. I, I want to be clear. This is not just you know Michael and Phil talking about this. I mean, this is of course CNN and MSNBC, but Fox News and and the Wall Street Journal are all essentially saying the same thing. Let's start being president. Let's start running the government, right? Let's take these policies, which are great. We support them. Let's actually talk about them. It's it's just right now, uh, someone who can't get out of his own way. Lots of people support way. infrastructure. Lots of people support FAA. A lot of people want a lot of people want these things to be fixed. A lot of people want bridges to be built. A lot of people want this stuff. Everybody wants a tunnel under the Hudson in to connect New York and New Jersey, so we can get rid of this terrible situation where you can't get to New York City anymore from the suburbs. It's just incredible. People want that, but it's not happening. And a lot of it is just not happening because the White House can't get out of its way. Uh, We have to give the Spin Award of the Week at this point. And it's going to go to Sean Hannity and (laughs) Eric Trump together when they talked about Sean Hannity said that the Russia investigation is the greatest hoax of all time. And the... No evidence of collusion. And then Eric Trump followed that by saying, I've never seen hatred like this. I mean, to me, they are not even people. And then he goes on to say that Tom Perez, the DNC chairman, is a total whack job and said that we deserve better as far as our political discourse. So that is spin, if I've ever heard one. In the same sentence, Eric Trump goes back and forth, contributes, of course, to the fine discourse of the country. And I don't know what planet these guys are on, but it's a different one than I'm living on. I don't know. For for anybody who's interested in a witch hunt, have you ever heard of the birther debate? Right. <laughs> Let's talk about witch hunts and where they all started anyway. It was well, like- that's it for this week. We have a lot of New Jersey governor's races on. I know it's early. Uh, uh, Kim Guadagno and... Uh, and uh, uh, Phil Murphy uh, going to face off against each other. Uh, that's one of the marquee races of 2017. We're going to have to get to that in a coming week. See you next week here on Spin Class here on the Nachum Siegel Network.